Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sour and Sass. I am pumped. We've got an amazing guest today, uh, the CMO of Sales Loft, uh, Sydney Sloan. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Of course. Well, thank you for being here. And congrats, by the way, on your recent funding and all the success at Sales Loft. You all are crushing it. So congratulations. It's a wild ride, and it's so much fun. Uh, so it, it's 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 two and a half years that I've been there now. I can't believe it. Um, so started when we were in the teens. Now you know, heading into the hundreds, it's just absolute insanity in all the good ways possible. Heck yes! And then you have like what the prettiest flowers I think I've ever seen in the background. Those orchids. <laughs> they it's my signature. Uh, so I always have flowers there, and I have to tell you that my son actually picked out those orchids uh, when we went to the flower <laughs> store. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm going on vacation next week. And so I hadn't stocked up and I knew we were doing this. So I went and grabbed it out of his room. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Now I get what you're doing. Yeah. It's like fresh flowers that you mix up and you, that's fun. I like yeah. that. It gives you yeah. a little bit of flash. Keeps, keeps the, you know, the background changing and interesting. I love it. So I was prepping for this and you're doing something that I love, but I'd love to hear your perspective of it. You've gone all in on third party review sites. Like I'd say you've went all in on them. Like you put them on your homepage. They're front and center. You talk a lot. You use, you don't talk a lot. You let your customers talk a lot about sales loft. Well, what's your thought process behind third-party review sites? Why have you made them so prominent? Um, Cause I think you also link out, right? Like you're very native about it. Like you can go read this there. Like you're okay letting people leave your website and like learning on their own. Like what, what's your thought process? I'd love to learn that. Yeah. So I, I mean, with G2, Trust Radius, uh, Captera, um, Gartner Peer Reviews, like I think those are the ones. What is really interesting, I think, about what, what they've all built is categories before categories were formed. Yep. So it transformed the way that categories come together based on actual customers and usage and their involvement. And, and so... Um, that's the first reason is, is, you know, before Forrester did the Forrester wave, which for which we are a leader, um, we were leading in, uh, in G2. And, and the second thing is, I mean, like it's, it's customer validation is the best, the best uh, validation that you can get. And so, I mean, we've definitely orchestrated our systems to be able to make it easy for our customers to leave reviews using Salesoft. Um, and, uh, and then also we read every one. I mean, every single piece of feedback of what customers like, what they would like us to see our CEO, we, we built a, a thread in Slack. And so all the reviews go into Slack and he reads every single one. We comment on every single one. I'm, I don't know about you, but before I go traveling or anywhere, I, I go to TripAdvisor, I go to these places and I read the reviews and it influences how I think. So I think that's the way that a lot of SaaS buyers are now looking at, okay, I'm, I'm considering this, who's the best. Yeah. And I can go read 2000 reviews that are consistent. Um, and, and so we're really proud of that. I mean, we take it seriously. And if an end user is going to take the time to write something, I, th I hold that, you know, at high value. No, I love that. And I think what's so cool about what you're saying is like, so just so you for context, I coined this share of like four years ago and I've been like, preaching like review sites like crazy because if you type in like best sales software top sales software sales software reviews right all your queries that have purchased intent these review sites are what are taking that massive market share right you got capture g2 software advice get app like you go down the list they're everywhere right 
And it's been a huge part of our strategy to evaluate the cost, like customer acquisition cost of a review site versus like a Google ads and, and balancing capital allocation, right? Like if I had another dollar, do I give it to G2 or do I give it to Google ads? And what's going to have a better return for my EBITDA? And like really evaluating that. Now, you said something that I thought was really interesting. You, you're, you sound like you're actually customer centric. Now, I say that almost jokingly because we all know we're supposed to be, but we like hide it. Like, so if you go review your competitors, go look at SaaS, people act like they're customer centric a lot, but then they turn people into characters. So they're not even real people anymore. And then they make their reviews seem like they could be fake and they're almost hidden. And you guys do it all so authentically. From, as a leader, as a CMO, how can we as marketers become more customer centric in our culture so it is authentic and it's not manufactured? Yeah. So um, spoiler alert, we're, we're actually employee centric first. Okay. And I struggled with that when I got there and I'm like, well, shouldn't we be customer centric first? And, and, the, um, and the idea is that if you hire the best people and if we are all aligned around a mission, which is to create a world where sellers are loved by the buyers they serve and uh, that you, we create a fantastic buying experience so our customers achieve their goals. Like if we're all built, if, if, if we're all in on that mission, yet we, we first look at our internal culture um, and how we lead our employees, how we build a company that all shares the same values, we will align on serving our customers. I just got an email today from a guy I've known since the 90s yeah. that we're doing an implementation. And he asked for our implementation leader's um, address and fiance's name so he could send a wedding gift. Like, is that not the ultimate test of like, serving yeah. your customer and so much that they want to, you know, participate in a wedding of the implementation manager. So that's, I mean, that's where we start. We start with our employees. We start with, with inspiring them and, and building a great place to work where they feel privileged to serve our customers. And that's our mental mindset. So it's, it's through our employees that we get the privilege to serve our customers and to solve their problems and to celebrate in their success the second part is, you know, I'm, we're really lucky because we touch, and, and this is why I like working in the app space. So I like to, to market applications that people use on a day-to-day -day basis. And this one is super tied to revenue. So when, when you're an application where people are seeing on a daily basis how you're helping them perform better, how you're helping them achieve their results, yeah. um, I, I think there's more affinity to, yeah. you know, to, to our brand because, because people use it every day. Um, and, and so I think that's where it starts. And then on the, the second part where you talk about customer centricity, uh, I mean, again, it goes back to what better validation, like all you, know, we put a couple of quotes on our website, but you can go to any of these places and, and read it. And it's kind of like glass door too, right? Like you can't fake glass door reviews. Um, and so, you know, how do you make sure that we're just creating an environment that is, that is a place where people want to come to work. Customers want to interact with our people. Um, and, you know, we're, we're all trying to solve the same challenges together. I love that. I love that. Now it is sour and sassy. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> okay. okay. This is, this. I told you, I don't do candy. So this is going to be a first. I'm going to do that. 
I have no sweet I don't really do desserts. I don't ever eat candy. I have no sweet tooth. There's no candy in my life. I never oh. order. Oh, I know. <laughs> do I have to keep this in my mouth? Seriously? Oh, yeah. No, this is the shelves in me. <laughs> oh, this is mango melon. Oh, my God. I can't mango. do melon, so I've never tried that one. Oh. Is it terrible? Oh, man. These ones are bad. I feel like my whole mouth is eroding. Okay. I'm an ugly crier. Can you tell? <laughs> now, okay. virtual summits. They're in your freaking menu. You're all out on it. I, I'm going to be honest here. I kind of think virtual summits suck, but I'm doing it as a speaker. Like, I can't get engagement out of people. It's tough. I don't know how I did. There's lots of comments. It is cool having like the live chat. I kind of feel like I'm a streamer, like I'm on Twitch. But it's not like the Twitch chat. Like, I like watching streamers. The Twitch chat is lit. Like, people are talking. Like, it's very active. I feel like I'm engaging with them. Yeah. Virtual summits is very much like a webinar to me, right? Now, I'm saying all that. And simultaneously, you're obviously crushing with it. So what the hell am I getting wrong? What is everybody getting wrong? Why do virtual summits work? Why should we embrace them? You've obviously embraced them. I just struggle with it. because I speak at, like, 30 conferences. And I'm like, dang. Like, I don't know. I don't like it. But, yeah. Some people are doing so well with it. So I got to change my opinion, I think. So wh why should we be doing virtual summits or what do they do for you? How should we think about them? Um, so there's there's two. I mean, we've continued to evolve our strategy as, as I think everybody has. And so at first it was like literally COVID happened. We canceled our annual conference the week of our conference. I mean, talk about heart crushing. You know how much effort goes into doing a, a couple thousand person conference. The money. I mean, it was just it was heartbreaking, but it was in San Francisco and, and we made the right decision. Um, and then it and then it's like, well, where can we build um, a destination to engage with our customers? Because if somebody's going to give you an hour, two hours, four hours, that that is that's high value. Yeah. And and so our first one, I mean, I think it was still on the new side. Um, and so a lot of people showed up. It was super engaging. Um, we did everything live. <laughs> That was um, something we've changed. So, you know, pre-recording portions just for uh, the execution, not having to worry, because literally it's like, where's the speaker? You know, you, you, you've got oh, yeah. these really seasoned speakers and they don't know how to like set up their machines. And you're like, what are you talking about? So the stress Very is- seasoned. <laughs> I know you're talking about. I've done some of those calls with some extremely seasoned speakers who- Yeah, and you're like, but they don't know how to, you don't know how to set up their, you know, the stuff. And, um, and so- um, so we, we've, we've run up, we, we've kind of tested, we, we survey our audience yeah. and, um, you know, from a timing perspective, what are they looking for from a format perspective? What are they looking for? And for our audience, what they want is like two hours or less and they like breakouts. And so we've oriented our content to very much be teaching. So, and, and we do surveys, um, right after every session. So we'll do a quick poll survey, um, yeah. in our, we use Brella as our platform currently. Um, and so we'll get that quick pulse. So we rate every session and then we keep track of every speaker in terms of their rating. Like, who do we want to invite back? Who do we want to put in a webinar after they've been in uh, on, the, on one of the conferences? But it's very much tactical learning, um, practical implications, motivation, a little bit of fun. Um, and then, you know, what's going on with our platform? Because the innovation is happening so fast. It's like, how do we help our customers and prospects still understand what they can do and build? And so, you know, that's that's woven in. And I think you have to think about it as um, almost like a, a morning show. 
right? So you've got to switch uh, context switching very fast. You've got high production. You know, you you played the music coming in here. Like we, in order to keep people's attention, you you have to produce it. And, um, and so you can, if you, if we hit a, a session that, you know, we didn't produce it well enough or it's dry, like people will just drop off. So we can't, right. You have to I keep it. Saying, have to, right. Exactly. And so 15 minute, 10 minute sessions in between using videos in between. So like we produce it kind of at a 10 to 15 minute increment of having some kind of switch and change in energy, um, and, you know, continue to learn. I like where your head's at though, because like I'm all in on production, obviously like me, I won't let like, we have a mantra in our marketing and it has to be like financially validated, shockingly memorable and strategically aligned for the next 36 months. That's how we think about every idea. The shockingly memorable part is so important. And I feel like so many of us are strung with it. I know I did like, that's why it's sour and sass. That's why we have all the production is because I have to try to keep things that are for brand and maybe more top of funnel and awareness brace, shockingly memorable. Now, we use the word surprise and delight, which by the way, the sour was surprisingly awful. The yeah. sweet that we're now in is actually quite delightful. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. Now you did something I'm not sure I love, but I want to understand. You have a pricing page with no prices. Okay. So yes, as a sales org, I can imagine the sales team has a strong voice in your company. I also know that salespeople love to be able to increase average order value based off of purchaser demand, intent, upsell, cross sell, play the game. I'm a sales guy. I like my heart of hearts. Like I did sales here from the day one. I love sales. I also love marketing and I see it from both angles. Where do you sit? What's your perspective? Yeah. Pricing pages request a quote, you know, like the future of marketing, maybe product led growth and this other stuff, which it seems a little far from sales loss current strategy. So like, what does that look like to you? And what's your opinion of product like growth and pricing? Cause I think the two are correlated, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, we obviously run, um, uh, uh, surveys off of our website and so, and, and we do focus groups as well. Like, um, and, and so oh, wow. we constantly are evaluating and testing things on our website. We put a pricing, a new pricing page up because we changed our packaging, like to, in totality last year, as we continue to expand the platform. So we've kind of priced around use cases and patterns. I got, a, I got questions on that too. Cause I okay. thought that was really um, cool one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and pricing for differentiation, packaging yeah. for differentiation. Um, but on the pricing page, we put a price because that's what people who came to our website said they wanted. <laughs> and so what we did was we'd said starting at, and so we picked kind of a, a lower price point. Um, I think within 22 seconds, I had 30 emails and slacks from our sales team. Like, what? You know, and why did you pick that price? Blah, blah, blah. So you're right. Sales <laughs> wants the opportunity to talk about value and not lead with price. And yeah, that's I will. That's I'm going to die on at the moment. I, I sit in between them. I'm like, I know what is happening here. Like, the marketing team must be like, guys, think about what you get at the top of the funnel, right? They yeah. just want a little price. It's starting at y'all can still sell them, like, but yeah. it gets anchored to that, right? Like, and yeah. there's this like, so where did you end up? Where are you at now? And like, what's next? Um, so we ended up taking it down, um, and uh, we still have the packaging up there. I think Zendesk it's, it does a fantastic job of this. So we were modeling it after Zendesk that has multiple packages, and they they have pricing, and um, you know, I guess if your demand is that high, then it at least tells people what category you're in. 
Yep. Um, but um, so, yeah, so if you ask for pricing, you you talk to an inbound SDR. If you ask for a demo, you talk to an inbound SDR and they pass you to an AE. So and, you know, it, it, it it's a reason to have a conversation because if somebody wants to talk price, they they are in the buying process. So okay. I'll justify it in that way. Yeah. Sounds like you had other opinions, which I can understand. Uh, I think you and I, I think always... there's pros and cons to it, right? Yeah. No, um, I, I fully get that. I don't talk price on my website and mm -hmm. I get it. Like I, I truly get it. Now, packages. You have products you sell in your menu and they're right next to them in the menu. You have packages. And I thought this was like, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really actually cool. So in your mind, like pricing and packages, how does, what's the difference? Like, well, cause I've never seen anyone Packages is like a services thing, in my opinion, that I've seen historically, and I haven't seen someone in software. It's not like a widespread thing. I thought it was actually pretty unique. So walk me through what a product is versus a package in your mind and like why you have both. Yeah. So um, we have different products that make up our platforms. So we have the Cadence Engine, a dialer. Um, we have a deals product uh, that helps you manage opportunities um, and conversations, which is like conversation recording. And, um, and so the strategy behind packages is I never want a customer to be forced to buy something because of price. I want to give them the totality of our platform that solves the problem. And I learned this at Adobe too, is like, you know, they, they're talking about your product and it doesn't do this. And you're like, uh, yeah, it does. So, so my strategy or thinking is always, hey, let's make sure we're solving the problem for the customer. So each package is aligned to different use cases and different um, uh, persona, like people, right? So yeah. what does an SDR need versus what an account executive might need versus what a customer success manager might need? And here's, here's our package. This is the best possible integrated offering you can get that's going to solve that person's problem. So we don't have to... You know, they don't they don't like, oh, but I can't afford that. So I'm just going to take this. Well, then you're not using our platform in the way that it's designed. And, so and so more turn, by the way, right, you're going to have a lower LTV on that person. You're yeah. not going to be able to pay as much to acquire them because also your gross margins lower. Right. right. Yeah. That's and, brilliant. So you know, more and, and then also, by the way, it um, it, it creates differentiation out of the gate. So it's no longer apples to apples, you know, because it's not just a cadence engine versus a sequence engine. It's a package for SDRs that includes cadences and dialing and all the things they're going to need or for AEs. And we don't make them pick. We recommend what is best for them. Last year, um, and I've, sh I've shared this before too, the last year, over six, two thirds of our customers bought the full platform. They want, they want all of it all together. And so by having that, that offering and, and then discount from that, like pick the right package, then discount. Don't, you know, don't, don't try and orchestrate something that's uh, are, uh, not, not the way it's designed to be. How'd you convince the team? And I actually got a question from a, a user, but how'd you convince finance, sale? I mean, that is not, by the way, it's not like Sydney just showed up as, hey, I have a great idea. And everybody's like, wow, Sydney, that is a great idea. I'm bought in. Right. I, I don't think that's probably how it went. So yeah. how did, because I don't see it, by the way, and I think this is brilliant, outcome-based pricing. In other words, pricing our product, to the outcomes individual personas will have because CS has a separate budget than SDR, so a separate budget than AE. And so I can price, design, build, and scope things okay. to each 
user, or I could sell the CRO across the whole entire, let's say, company, maybe the whole platform. But right. I think and we can yeah, exactly. And and there's unique value to each one of those use cases. So you're really pricing the value um, of of what you're delivering to each one of those individuals. Now you have to rationalize it, right? Because you you know you know you can't have the packages out of sync. And a lot of times you'll see in packaging like good, better, best, and that's not what we did either. We priced no. to the to the use case. Yeah. Um, so how do you get the buy-in though? How, <laughs> It was a process. You're totally right. So we spent, um, I want to say, eight months. So doing te running testing. Um, so we had two products at that time. We just had conversations and cadences, and and originally we had them separate. And what was happening was the sales reps were kind of treating conversations because it was the newest thing as kind of like, oh, and then you could have this. And so they they weren't including it in because they knew they could get a quick win with cadences, but you know you've got a bigger opportunity to, to um, have a higher you know, share of the customer's total uh, purchasing wallet than, than just the, the quick, easy win. And so we, we ran some tests. We took a, a, a group of sales reps and gave them an all-in-one package. And we watched, did it slow down the deals? D did it slow down the sales cycle? Did we increase ACV um, and ran that test? So guess what? We increased ACV and the deal cycle didn't slow down. So we had to prove it. We, you know, we did a lot of um, uh, survey work in terms of what customers wanted and valued. We looked at all the different uh, iterations of how the packages could come together. Um, it drove some behavior, interestingly, in terms of how we thought about the different um, product components yeah. um, and, and how we wanted to surface those in the user experience. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, it was. We had to. We had to prove it out, um, and it also led to building more products, which was great. Well, yeah, this is what real marketing is, because now what you're showing them too is, hey, like we can increase our initial cost per acquisition because we can also grow our accounts a lot better. Right now, you can land and expand, which is what the whole sales org is doing. So you create alignment with marketing for a sales centric organization, right? And then it's awesome. Like this is the stuff I love. It's strategic. Yeah. Yeah. It's bigger. Has a huge impact. Yeah. To the part you don't love, Cindy. Are you ready for round two? No, I just finished. Oh, I'm done. Dang it. All right. Here we go. One more. One more. Um, I'm going to go with cherry lime. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that, you know, I, I have a background. My, my background is in uh, product marketing. So 15 years at Adobe in product marketing. So I, I think about go to market first. I think about the market dynamics, you know, and the strategy behind it. And frankly, the the problem I was trying to solve, I'll put this in in a second, yeah, was differentiation. You know, we were in a highly competitive market and there was no differentiation. The only thing we were differentiating on was the sales experience and we needed clear different, differentiation. And then we also, you know, we're looking at, and I think all the sales vendors have figured this out. Um, you know, we, we were running into saturation because there's only so many SDRs on the planet. And guess what? There's a lot more salespeople. And so if you're looking like, how do we continue to expand? What's our growth strategy? Um, that's part of it too. And, and so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the strategic part of our job on the go to market side or on the product side. Oh brilliant. my God. I well, don't know. Oh. Someone asked this question. When a price is known to a customer up front, do deals move faster? What's been your experience on that? I don't, um, have any, I don't know. Not necessarily. I mean, we have one one call closes um, with some of the smaller uh, customers that we have. Yeah. If it's if it's in line with expectations and market, I think you're fine. Yeah. I, I mean, 
it may just, you know, you, you look at the, is it, is it more likely to help or to hurt? And if you put your price too high, they may then go elsewhere. Um, cause we're not the low, we're not the low cost. So I think if you're the low cost, uh, provider or you differentiate on price, then I probably would put it up on my site. I like that. Now I thought we said earlier, it was really interesting. And I think you're spot on to something. There is a belief in sales. I think it's completely incorrect, but there is a belief that sales development, like people don't want to overinvest in sales development. And so I could imagine it was probably hard selling a higher AOV to an SDR organization um, than it is to maybe like an AE or a sales org where I feel like people are a little more open with their wallet. Now, competing with a monster. When I say monster, there's Salesforce. And what I couldn't understand, I want to get your perspective on, I couldn't tell if I added you to Salesforce when I looked at your website or if you were competing with Salesforce now. And that's because you obviously went away from the clarity you had of cadences, which was allowing you to compete directly with an outreach.io or that whole world of cadences that we all kind of got into, but we're all also seeing, I think, work maybe not as well as it used to, too. Work say again then? It's not maybe working as well as it used to. Like the reply rates at scale from email and the way personally, it's just not, it's becoming so saturated that the end user, the person you're trying to prospect to is becoming more cognizant. Gmail's getting better at identifying. It's getting tougher and tougher, I found, because I have a pretty good SDR investment here. Are you, How do you compete with Salesforce now? Are you competing as a replacement to Salesforce? Are you competing to be plugged into Salesforce? Because I found that so interesting with your strategy. I couldn't wrap my brain around. Because I see Gong, add-on. I see Chili Piper, add-on. I see Exactly, add-on. I see Outreach.io, add-on. I see what Salesloft is building. I was like, wait a second. Are we adding on or are we competing with? And I saw I looked at your integrations. You had the integration with Salesforce. And then I was like, wait a second. I got to ask her. So, yeah. What's the plan there? What are y'all doing? Um, so we we integrate and we compete. Um, so uh, with with integrations, we sit on top. We're, so what we say, and it's like, again, on our website, we did research. And, and watching the inbound um, conversations, we realized that people still didn't understand what is sales engagement versus CRM versus marketing automation. Yeah. So on our landing page, we say we're not CRM and we're not marketing automation. Um, we're sales engagement. And this is what sales engagement is. It's a way to you know facilitate conversations, communication, um, and uh, and and manage your your deals and your buying cycles with your customers to generate. That's the part that got me. Second, you say manage yeah. your deals. Yeah. Now my brain goes, you're competing with Salesforce. They they have the forecasting capability. Okay. However, it's yet another tab in Salesforce, right? So, so when, when you're in Salesforce, you're looking across all of the opportunities and we're adding incremental value in terms of helping them uh, understand the activity levels. And um, we have just built a machine learning algorithm that helps with the scoring of the opportunity. Uh, so, you know, is this deal healthy? Is it not? Based on a bunch of different parameters, um, levels of engagement, right contacts, um, sentiment in the conversation. So we have all this added because our platform actually manages every single touch and communication from prospecting to every conversation, every meeting. There's nobody else on the planet that can capture this much data about a buying experience. 
Um, and so we capture all of that and then use that um, in, in a way to help our customers manage all of the interactions across the buying cycle. So, so we're not so we're not CRM in that we're not a system of record database. Yep. And we we can be for small companies, but generally you need a CRM that does a lot of other things, the billing, the CPQ, all of that. You still are going to need that. We don't provide that. We're the communication layer, really, is how to think about us. And um, and so um, the other piece to that is the value piece. And I think at this point, if you have a DR. BDR, XDR, ADR, whatever DR you have, I think it's become table stakes. I don't know how someone does that job without a sales engagement platform. Ours are somebody else's. Like I just, don't pick mine, just use one, please. Because those poor folks that are out there that still don't have that and are still manually trying to organize their day, you know, phone, do phone calls or use a third party dialer, send emails. I mean, I watched in my last company, I, I took on the SDR team and spent a day with them. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so inefficient. And we thought we were smart because we were reading all the bridge group reports of, hey, you need, you know, 23 touches over 35 days. So we created this nasty task management in Salesforce or that created all these tasks. Yeah. And, and they couldn't figure out what was right from wrong. And the templates were, I mean, it was just an absolute mess. And as soon as we put in a sales engagement platform, I mean, like our numbers went and in, in improved immediately. I mean, so I, that's that's why I wanted to get into this industry. It's like, oh, my God, I can see you put it in and it's got immediate results. Now, your second question around, um, is it getting worse? Um, so it depends on how you use the platform, right? So if people are building templates and sending generic messages and only sending email, then really how different are you than a marketing automation tool? Right, you're, you're, it, it, that's you where the difference is. And we see all these interactions on our platform. So we know if you even add a second channel, a phone call, a LinkedIn or a social touch, your conversion rates are gonna 4X. Wow. If, you, if you use the optimal, which is four to five channels, your conversion rates are even higher. So we just launched, um, pre-built cadence template. So as you log in, you can pick one of our best practice templates that show all the different touch patterns based on the kind of um, cadence you're trying to run. And and so we're we're already seeing like lifts in our platform of people adopting these these new best practices, but they are all multi-channel. So if they're not picking up the phone, if they're not making those extra touches and they're just going in and hitting a button, send, 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 you're, and, and spam filter is going to pick you up because you're sending the same message to multiple people in an organization. Guess what? That's that's why they built the spam filters. So you can't. You, you have to personalize. I have something, Sydney, because I finally it clicked. I get it, and you are in such a good position in sales off. My brain is like exploding. So like, what I mean by that is, okay. So how do I explain this? Okay, if you look at Insight Squared, okay, Insight Squared is adding conversations to their platform and they're trying to become, everyone's trying to become a platform, Yeah. right? Like everyone's doing this. You're already done it. You're literally like if outreach.io, Gong, Insight Squared and Clary had a baby. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right? <laughs> so what, what you do, right, is the form fill still goes from let's say Marketo to Salesforce. Salesforce is still lives as a, like a single source of truth as a record holder and then AEs and SDRs who actually need insights and like information and not frankly 
the dinosaur that is Salesforce, live in SalesLoft, which bidirectionally syncs to Salesforce, and then allows you to do all these things you wish your Salesforce did for you and be effective. Is that essentially? You, yeah, you um, hired. <laughs> but no, you're ahead. Everyone's yeah. trying to do what you guys already built. Right. We're, yeah, we're about a year and a half ahead. I mean, like, you know, there's there's best in class providers, but uh, my friend Craig Rosenberg, um, who's now a distinguished analyst at Gartner, but was one of the founding analysts at Topo, uh, calls it uh, mar sales tech mayhem. Like the next couple of years, the amount of innovation that's going to go on in the sales tech landscape is going to be incredible. And um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be the same as Martech. I, I kind of hope we don't end up with seven or eight thousand providers. Um, and so. I'm actually encouraged by the idea that people are creating platforms because the technology overlap in marketing in MarTech is like stupid. Like we were talking about creating custom landing pages um, earlier this week. And it's like, which one of the three tools that we have can do this? Should we use? It's like, why do I have three capabilities of overlapping, you know, to be able to create a custom landing page? So, so I think, you know, if, if we are all thinking about, how to best serve sales organizations and we're educating sales that there is a new and better way to to manage their sales processes to orchestrate activities to free up their time so they can actually spend it selling versus manual entering data in spreadsheets or crms like that's going to transform the sales landscape and we're all going to benefit yes. um and and so you know i, I the, the greater good is the sales world is going to transform. It, it's being forced now because the whole world is different. I don't know, you know, whoever the first person is to hear about somebody going on a sales call, let me know. Right. Like, because yeah. customers aren't going to be in the office either. And so everything has to change. And yeah, we're in a unique position that we've, you know, we've got all the technology that a, a sales rep or an SDR needs to do their job. I freaking love it, Cindy. Well, thank you so much for being on Sour Sass. This was amazing. Did you survive the Sour Candy? Or are we alive? I did, and it's not complete again, so I'm happy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and that's Sour and Sass. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.